What's up, you guys? Welcome to the June 7th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Get ready to talk some Game 3, a possible sweep, LeBron and what he could do in the offseason, a little Colangelo talk, mock draft talk, whatever else we can fit in here. With me to do so is Tommy Beer. What's up, man? What's up, sir? Not much, man. We may only have two days left of an NBA season. I know. I think we were all rooting for uh, a Cavs winning Game 3 for no other reason, just to give us a little bit of juice uh, into the weekend and a couple extra games. But um, it appears that Friday night will could be the last game of the NBA season, but also, I think, most likely the final game LeBron James ever plays as a, as a Cavalier in Cleveland. Yeah, let's start with that. I wanted to start with Durant, but I mean, that's really, honestly, that was the biggest takeaway to me. Was I was watching look LeBron's press conference last night was almost as interesting as the game was. Uh, obviously, maybe take away the fourth quarter with Durant and Curry hitting those two huge shots, which we'll talk about. But I thought the big overarching theme when he was talking, and he also had a great quote. You probably saw the "Be Better Tomorrow" quote after Game One. Yep. When a reporter asked him, uh, like, "What do you think Jerry was thinking?" And so the same reporter asked him, like, "What were you thinking when Durant re- released the shot?" Uh, in Game 3 last year, that pull-up when LeBron was defending, that was really the signature shot of the series, versus the one last night, which was that. that And the Curry shot was huge, so his only three. But he was like, uh, LeBron says, you know, you should be a psychologist. You're always asking about like what people are thinking when, when stuff's going on. And he like, kind of mini-flamed it. It was really funny. He's like, oh, I was thinking, I hope he misses it and we get the rebound. Like, what else is he supposed to think? Uh, and he's like, was there anything different? And so he asked a follow-up question to the reporter, and he's like, was, it, was there anything different? And LeBron's like, no. <laughs> he wasn't pulling that traffic in. But um, anyways, like I said, the big, the big point I thought was, when I'm watching LeBron, he just seems so overmatched by this team. And as great as LeBron is, man, I mean, when you keep Curry and every other player at 11 or under and you lose, granted Durant went off, like that, that's just tough, man. I mean, that's got to be one of the toughest ways to lose when you get thrashed by Curry for two games and then they shut him down. One of 10, didn't hit his last one until late in the fourth. It was a one-point game and that one back baking. I mean, like honestly, just based on pure score, like that Curry three was the biggest shot of the game, right? Uh, yes, you could definitely make the argument. Yeah, uh, like the, Cur- the Durant one iced it, but going from yes. one to four late in the game, I mean, especially if you're yep, going to stay, yep. like... Uh, steal on one end, come yep. back on the other end, and, and, and Steph to bury that three, his first three of the game. He was at four points up until that point in the, in the entire game, I think. Was, you know, as you mentioned, hadn't hit a three-pointer. Um, so, yeah, it's just... Uh, it, it, yeah, it's demoralizing, you know, from a, from a LeBron perspective. You can't play those two Splash Brothers, you know, arguably the two greatest shooters in the history of the sport in the same backcourt um, any better than they did. And and it's all for naught. You know, I, I think it just speaks to the, the prowess, the power, the domination of the, of the Warriors, um, which makes us, I think, I was thinking, it made me appreciate what the Rockets did, you know, taking the distance. Um, you know, I, I think it was incredible because I think this is the kind of dominant performance we expected from uh, the Warriors throughout the, the – basically since they got Durant. You know, they're, they're 27-3 in the 30 non-Houston games in the playoffs uh, since, since they got Durant. You know, it's a 90, 90% winning percentage. Um and just, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in, in terms of LeBron's press conference and just kind of his mentality, um, I was just looking at it this morning. Um, in the fourth final, you know, obviously this is the fourth final these guys have played together. 
the Cavs' third and fourth leading scorers, or you know, never mind the top two, the third and fourth leading scorers have been Clay and Draymond Green in three of the four finals, and then it was Harrison Barnes and Iggy were tied, um, uh, along with Draymond Green in, in the other one. Whereas for the Cavs, it's been George Hill and J.R. Smith, Kevin Love and J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith, and Timothy Mozgov and Tristan Thompson. You know, so it's just it's it's one of those things where uh, you know it's it, outside of the top two. You know, obviously the dominant players at the at the, t- the top of each teams, um, LeBron, the depth and and supporting cast just hasn't been there for LeBron, and it's the reason they're about to you know lose three of the last four. Yeah, and he's he's gone. Like, odd, odd of these days, I mean, it's got to be like fifteen percent that he's like maybe less than that. I mean, it feels like he's just gone. I agree. I mean, you could, I guess, if you want to make the argument that he stays, you know, because of his family and, you know, as his kids are, you know, entering high school and, you know, has that kind of support system and his I Promise Foundation there in Akron. Um, I, I, I would think that'd be the only argument you could make um, from a basketball perspective, from a legacy perspective, from a competitive supporting cast perspective. Um, I, I, yeah, I would, I think that's a safe estimate. I think around 15, you know, less than 20%, 15%, um, somewhere in their neighborhood. What would, if you had a preference, uh, just from a purely entertainment fan, you know, standpoint, just for, to, would, do you have a preference as to where it'd go? Philly, Houston, something like that, a wild card? I really don't care. I really don't care. Uh, I mean, anything, it'll be new and exciting no matter where it goes, you know? Yes. Will he yes. fit with Simmons? Will he fit with Embiid? Will he fit with Harden and Paul with all the ball handling? Will he make up a new team in LA? I mean, there's just so many different options that could go down. And yeah, I, I can't wait. Like, it's it's going to be one of the most exciting off seasons. Agreed. I think you really can't lose. I, I think I probably would prefer Philly. I think just yeah. I think that would be an interesting dynamic scenario. Um, but uh, either way, you know, we'll get a new finals. We'll get a little bit of a shaking up. Um, and uh, I think it would also be fun if he headed out west. Just this this way we'd get a different team in the finals as well. And non-LeBron finals um, could be interesting if he see if he can knock them off before they get there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think either way you can lose in terms of, you know, as long as he switches teams. I think I would understand if he wanted to stay. Um, but I think that would be the, the least exciting, the you know, the, the probably the most boring, you know, scenario. Yeah, I agree. So, We'll end on LeBron on one topic. This is my favorite question to ask everyone. I think I've asked everyone that co-hosts a pod with me, and you're the, you're the last one to get this question. So how many more prime years, so we're talking like top five player of LeBron are we going to get? He's 33. And then how long do you think he's going to, like how old do you think he's going to be when he retires? Uh, I think if I had to put an over-under on prime top five years, I'd probably set it at 3.5. Okay, that's pretty much the average. And I'd probably go over, maybe I'd take four, um, just because I'd rather be error on the side of, uh, you know. Uh, because the thing about LeBron, I think, is what's going to be really cool is when he's 38, so I'll, I, I, he's going to be a 6'9 point guard that's just going to kind of distribute, um, you know, take the ball off the floor. Um, and just kind of, you know, facilitate the offense, you know, knock these going to improve in the post, you know, work a little post game here and there. Um, but also, you know, work on his three point shot and just kind of, you know, tear you apart from the outside as opposed to you won't be able to drive, you know, as well. So that'll still, you know, again, because I'm, I'm he's had such a there's such a gap between him and the rest of the league right now, even if he loses, say, 15 percent of his total abilities, that's, I would think that still would place near the top five. Um, so, yeah, I think he's still got a good three or four years. And I think. I think there's a legitimate chance he tries to play with his son. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, so Bronny is what thirteen now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if he hangs on for another six or seven years, um, I think he might play one more year. Um, you know, you know, play the last year or so um, with a team that drafts Bronny. I uh, yeah, I don't see how that makes an interesting point. Like, even if LeBron James Jr. isn't that good, like if you know you're going to get LeBron <laughs> if you draft him, like do you take him number one? One one year forty year old LeBron is that worth? Is that worth? Well, it see, more? I said I said six years of prime LeBron. I still think he's okay. be a top player for six years, man. Like he's just like the skill is insane, man. He's never hurt. Uh, agreed, agreed. He's shooting, I, well, he's shooting decent from three now. I mean, you know, he's shooting thirty seven percent ish now. That's pretty solid for a guy that couldn't shoot. You know? To be thirty nine years old. I mean, there are very few. I think Malone's the only player that's ever averaged over, you know, maybe ten points a game as a as a thirty nine year old, correct? Yeah, something like that. Or well I guess Dirk did, right? Dirk was over ten. He's true, 39. true. Yeah, Dirk must have just done it. A couple it. like here and there's. Right, right. But I I don't think there's ever been a top fifty player in the league. Or maybe even top hundred age thirty nine or later. Right, but even still like a thirty three year old going twenty eight, eight and nine. <laughs> <laughs> or nine and You're you're hundred percent right. Yeah. I I mean, the reality is, I mean, listen, if you would ask, I mean, there's, there's famous clips of Colin Coward and those guys saying that he's, you know, he drove bronze irrelevant at 31 after they lost the, if they lost the Warriors that first time. You yeah, know, we're not talking about like hot take McGee's out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, know. that's a pretty hot take on my part. I'll add, like, again, like if you're 39, you're still, but like, he's the best player, man. I mean. Okay, so until this goes down a tick, I mean, to to your argument, he's getting better. He's yeah, just last three years, he's getting better. So you know, so I don't think it's that crazy. Um, but um, you know, it's it's certainly. Uh, I guess it depends on the on what what you consider you know top five in terms of you know PR and, and right, all that other right, stuff. Right. I think he's going to slow down defensively. I think it's going to be tough for him to match up. But yeah, and we'll see. I don't know. It's gonna be. It's oh man. It's, it's, I guess sticking with LeBron, like fantasy wise, man. I mean, we think he's gonna go somewhere else, and you think he's gonna he, do you think he'll rest because he didn't rest this year, and that's why yeah. I knocked him down hard. I think I put him embarrassingly low um, in my rankings because I thought he was gonna rest. So are we, are we back on the resting next year? I would think there's a very good chance he takes at least like ten games off. I, I think yeah. he made it a point to play eighty-two games. It'll finish more, you know, over hundred, you know, hundred five or so total games a season. Led the regular season in minutes. The only player uh, to log more than three thousand minutes leads the postseason in minutes. Um, uh, we've never seen anything like this. As we mentioned, at age thirty-three, I think there's a very good chance, especially assuming he goes to another team. Um, that's going to try to, you know, you know, sort of kowtow to him and, and just, you know, make sure he's comfortable and tent and fresh for the playoffs, um, especially if he goes to a team like the Sixers with young guns and young legs and fresh legs and all that stuff. He'll let those young bucks run around a little bit um, and he'll take some time off. So um, I think it's very reasonable to assume he'll be up in that, you know, 27, 7 and 7 range. Um, but but I think in probably 70 games played. Um, if we had to do the over, I'd probably put it at around 72 games, and, and I might even take the under. Yeah, pretty much with you there. Um, yeah, we'll be doing a three-pod series when LeBron signs somewhere. <laughs> like, yes. It's, it's going to be insane, the impact on that. Just, oh, I can't get over that. Okay, before we do shift gears to talking about the rest of Game 3 stuff and other things, I do want to talk about our sponsor, Draft. Uh, football season's getting close, man. Ready for that? 
very close. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, I think when the first episode of Hard Knocks debuts, that's when I know. Oh like, okay, man, brownies. Time to start doing some of my fantasy football draft prep. Uh, but yeah, Browns make it interesting, and uh, you know, uh, you know, yeah. Once the finals, and you know, we still got the draft and free agents, it would be awesome, and that'll kind of lead us into to training camp for football. Yeah, so I saw a quote from Baker Mayfield today. He said that Josh Gordon uh, is playing is playing. It's like nothing he's ever seen. I saw so, that. Kind of, you know, if you're doing a best ball league on draft, you could pick up Josh Gordon before the hype train goes. You know, if, if yep. he's going to go off. And you know it's just fun. I, it's, it's like I always say this too. Like you can kind of like whenever you draft, if you're picking up early on buzz, which is like if I if I find this, like I used to do drafts. Sometimes I would just like if I'm doing like randos or like the pro leagues on Yahoo, I would do it like when there's a story that before it catches legs and like draft that guy earlier before you know the cat's out of the bag. So you could do that on the draft at Best Ball. Uh, the Best Ball leagues at Draft.com. Really easy. Uh, just go to your app store and search draft you can find it you can go to draft.com and join a game within minutes it's really easy and for a limited time only all new players get a free entry into the best ball drafts when you make your first deposit just have to use our promo code rw that's right you can play for real money for free just use our promo code rw again just search draft in the app store or go to draft.com and play for free with the promo code rw okay let's talk about Durant. like i mentioned um, LeBron had was asked what's the difference between Golden State when they beat him with a 3-1 lead and now, and he's like, oh, it's Kevin Durant, um, which brings us back to the LeBron point. But uh, I guess the question is now, considering how awful Steph was and how great, like as great as Steph was in game one or game two, like Durant was really good. So like, is it up for grabs to find his MVP tomorrow? I don't think – I think Steph cost himself a shot at the finals MVP. I mean, it's, it's one of the worst um, you know, postseason games uh, for a great player um, in NBA history. And, and just and just looking at the series stats um, – hold on one second. Let me get you at 2018 finals. I want to get exactly for you. He well, it's a two-horse race, right? Agreed. Oh, I, I think you still could make the argument for LeBron. Oh, on a sweep, though? It's, I guess it's got to go six for him to get it. I mean, it's, you can't give it to the guy gets sweat. I, I agree with you. Um, he's the, been the best player's most valuable player. Just the fact that over the, you know, the, the, they've played uh, eight games now in the finals, and LeBron is averaging 35, 11, and 10, and, and, and his teams are 1 and 7. It's, it's just crazy. But, yeah, it all, um, goes, all, yeah, all goes back to the point that uh, he's going to go bye bye. Exactly. Um, but uh, currently, Steph is 11th on his team in field goal percentage. He's shooting 38.5% in the finals, um, whereas Durant is shooting um, you know, Durant's got 69 points and like 37 field goal attempts in the last two games. Um, so right now, I think it's Durant. And assuming things are relatively close, um, I think Durant. You know, Durant. You know, game three was probably you could argue. Um, you know, was uh, I, I guess game one was just as important too. But um, right now, I'd, I'd probably lean towards Durant. I would definitely lean towards Durant. And I, even if even if Steph had a good game four, um, better than Durant, I, I would still. I, I think just in terms of efficiency. Um, um, and, you know, the other thing about Steph's game two, um, 
great game, obviously historic game, most threes. That was a he did most of his damage. He scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, he kind of when the game was sorted. I never felt that the, that the Warriors were, were sweating that game. They were never really challenged. So it was a lot of that was it was a garbage time, but a lot of it was just icing on the cake. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, I'm going to argue with you on one point, and it's a point I will always argue on, um, and that's using field goal percentage to measure Steph's efficiency. It's a good point. Um, yeah, because he's been he's shooting. He has, was um, he's, he's in the six area. Not he may have dropped wood sixty two shooting, but yeah, he's he's fine. I mean, when he's making all threes, man, like even forty percent from three, you're talking about sixty effective field goal percentage. So true. I, I I think it's I think Katie has the edge right now for sure, but I don't think it's it's far. If Steph comes out and hits a huge shot, hits a couple huge shots, I mean, you're talking about a guy who played excellent and. Three to four games, and then Durant didn't play well in game one. So, but then again, I mean the value of Durant. Uh, and by the way, he's at fifty-five true shooting. Um, Steph, I think he was at like sixty-two or sixty-three before the dud. So he got pulled down pretty hard. He's still thirty usage rate, but um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, if if Durant's halfway decent, it's gonna be him. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of wild for a guy that was – we were all killing Durant for his poor play. But, I mean, you talk about value for a game. I mean, like I said earlier, when your number two scorer scores 11 points and you win the game, like, that's just – and the rebounds were there. He made a lot of plays. Like, that was that was the best game. Of, I mean, besides LeBron's – I mean, even – like, I guess you can call it a best game in a, a winner. Um, yeah, right. Well, no, that's not true. I mean, LeBron, he had a couple ridiculous ones, the game-winning shots. It's – it was a top three or four game in the final, so. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, the other thing about the Randy's he's actually doing a good job facilitating the finals. He's got 20 assists uh, to, to Curry's 23. Um, Durant's got 51, 31 rebounds to Curry's 18. Um, so, you know, the, I, I, I would lean towards the Durant. Yeah, that was one thing Houston neutralized really well, was taking yes. the playmaking factor out of Durant, so. Like I, like I said, coming into the series, we did the preview. Like I feel like Houston pulled out all the cards to stop guys. Like the way they were running, uh, keeping guys attached, and making Steph hedge and switch. I feel like like it was basically like a, a crash course on how to defend yourself. And the Warriors like, okay, when they do this, we know how to do this. It's like almost like Independence Day. So all right, now we got to beat them. Spread the word. <laughs> yeah, when we look back, I think that's something that we'll talk about over the summer a lot. Is it really is remarkable that the Rockets had this team on the ropes, up double digits in Game Six and Game Seven. Um, you know, just if they would have knocked off, it would have made the finals that much more interesting. It would have thrown, you know, the the you know the the, the, the it just it, it certainly it, it, you have to give the, the Rockets a ton of credit. I guess the one other thing that you know to consider is the other thing that would the ultimate shot. I mean, we're kind of uh, you know conditioned to believe anything's possible in the off season. Kevin Durant is a free agent. He, he yeah. is. He, you know, you assume he's going to lock up long term with the Warriors, but does he? Does it? Is there a five percent chance he looks at the you know the landscape of the league and says, "All right, I, I cashed in, you know, uh, with the with the Warriors. I, I proved myself." Let's assume he gets walks away with two, not only two championships, two Finals MVPs. Does he say, "I want to go back home with the Wizards. I want to you know join another team and see if I can be the alpha male on a team that needs me, the team that wasn't even able to get to the Finals without me." Um, I, I, I'm sure we would all love it and appreciate it as you know, just for a competitive aspect. I think it's obviously very highly unlikely, um, but that would definitely be very interesting. 
One other thing to uh, add is uh, CJ McCollum's kind of going on Twitter, spreading the you know KD shouldn't be in Golden State kind of a thing. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. And I mean, you think I mean if if I'm a player, like th- this team we've come to, I mean they just roll people and like but taking out the huge like you already said made the point. Like this team's just not fair. Yeah, and I mean these guys are all in their primes. It's yep. just like, and like uh, I was watching uh, some of the. Uh, Neil O'Shea was on ESPN for a draft show, and he was like, yeah, it feels like a lot of teams just wait for Golden State to just run out of gas for, you know, wait till... Because, like, I mentioned LeBron having years in his prime. Like, but that's going to be four, that's gonna be another four or five years. These guys are the heart of their prime. Yeah, I know. Like, you, I, I, I get it, and that's kind of what the, is going on here. Like, yes. teams yeah. are like... You know, this actually brings me to my next... Anything you want to add here? No, no, I think that actually brings me to my next point. Um, DeAndre Ayton had a press conference yesterday. I do want to talk some draft, um, NBA draft, actual draft. He, uh, I think he's going number one, man. Uh, he sounded really confident. He's only working out for the Suns. He had did some one on zeros yesterday. They put him in like with this with the coaching staff on like pick and rolls and lobs, and he was apparently just wowing them. So pretty much, if you're doing mock drafts, Ayton's like locked and loaded number one, but. Um, the a team that I'm kind of alluding to that could be a factor. The Suns have a lot of interesting youth, man. Uh, they have another draft pick, uh, just like just past the lottery. They obviously have number one. Um, I mean, they're, in, in a couple of years when they get Chandler off the books, Knight off the books, and all that. I mean, they could be a factor, man. Um, do you, do you think that they could be kind of the next team to come around if they take an eight? Obviously, eight's a question mark, but they're a team that's got my got my eye, I got my eye on them. No question, and I think you. I personally, I would take Doncic number one. I'm surprised that Aiton's a lock, um, but you're right. It does seem like that's certainly the direction that the Suns are leaning. Um, all indications point that way. Which, but it does surprise me. I mean, listen, how valuable are centers in today's NBA? You know, the, the Rockets, as we mentioned, were were as competitive with the Warriors, the only competitive team on the planet with the Warriors, and they played PJ Tucker at five. You know, for, for long stretches. Uh, obviously, Clint Capel was an important factor as well. Um, but, you know, the, the, the Warriors, when they're at their best, play Draymond Green at the five. Um, we've seen kind of the diminish, diminishing marginal returns on centers. Now, Aiton, it seems like he can step out and, and knock down, you know, stretch the range. He certainly knocked down a few three-pointers. Form looks good. Um, but this difference of that translating into a reliable, you know, consistent stretch five. Um, defensively, he has some question marks. Didn't play with great intensity. Um uh, physically, there's no question that he's a monster. Um, his upside's through the roof, but I think his upside is—I think he's more suited to excel, you know, ten years ago or five years ago as opposed to today. Um, he could be the kind of player that kind of shifts the momentum back. Eventually, we'll we'll see that. Um, but yes. Uh, so that being said, um, assuming they take, uh, you know, they they do draft him, um, there's a ton of young talent on the team. Devin Booker. You know, top top shooter in the league, twenty one. Josh Jackson, you know, twenty one. Chris, is he twenty or twenty one? Um, uh, you know, we'll see if Bender if they can salvage him. They they boggled, a, they botched a few picks that they you know that Chris pick or Bender pick would have you know could have went a different direction. But assuming their core is Jackson, Booker, um, and Aiden, um, that's a solid young nucleus. What's your take on Jackson? Is he legit? I know he played well over the second the the second half of the season. Um, you think he can be uh, you know a, a foundational piece there? A couple things. I want to add. Um, they mentioned that Aiden made quote shot after shot in the warmups, uh, and the other big quote which I blurbed yesterday. So McDonough described three players as the young core players: Booker, 
Jackson and Chris. And right. and Bender was there. So I thought that was interesting. That it looked like Bender was like, okay, we don't really value Chris. But, I mean, just before we talk about Jackson, I'm pretty, and I'm not going to fall for this Marquise Chris thing again, just to be clear. Like, I'm still not <laughs> drafting him. But, but uh, he's really, he's doing he's doing all the right things, man. I mean, he's been there for multiple pre-draft workouts. He's with the team. He's with, with the coaching. Like, he got it. That last year, he screwed around. He ate improperly. He didn't. He blew last. He blew last season. Um, it's just bad. Like, it was a wasted year. So um, definitely keep an eye on him. Again, I'm not gonna be. I, I'm not drafting him. Like, I already. I can already. You're already softening. You are already. I know, I'm not doing it. I, I, I can hear it in your voice. He's gonna break my heart again. <laughs> it's too much, man. It's like when you see your ex girlfriend. You're like, oh, it's some good times, but it just made me crazy sometimes. But um, to Jackson, yeah, man. I mean, he got that DMP CD. We talk about this all the time. That DMP CD on January 2nd, and then the next day, pretty much never slowed down uh, besides the injury late in the year. So jump shots started coming around. It's still pretty wonky. It's got that hitch in it. So maybe that's probably what they're working on with him. But, yeah, I mean, length. He can guard five positions. We've seen both coaches use him at the center spot. Um, Watson briefly, and then, obviously, they did this year, too for the full season. So um, I would imagine their new coach, Igor, will be doing similar things. So Jackson's going to play huge minutes this year. Um, he's going to be better for point sleeves for sure, for fantasy, because I don't think he's going to be very good percentages-wise. The threes are going to be kind of bad. But, um, yeah, definitely a guy that's got my attention. Maybe not – I don't want to say Ben Simmons-esque because he won't have the dimes, but I could see nice defensive stats. And, again, I think his minutes are going to be insane this year. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, you know, and, and in reality wise, it's um, those versatile, long, athletic um, wings that, that can guard multiple positions on the perimeter are so valuable in today's NBA. So um, even if his offensive game doesn't come along um, to the point where it should, I mean, he shot just 26 percent from three last season. Um, so you'd like to like to see him pick it up 63 percent from the free throw line. Um, but yeah, from a fan's perspective, agreed. definitely points league. Um, you know, I could I could definitely see him. You know, him being a uh, a three pointer steal block guy. Yeah. Um, what else was I gonna say? If he could make his passing like half, he can't really pass very well. He had a couple nice bounce passes, uh, especially in transition. But if he could somehow, that's a tough thing to learn. You know, you, right. It's, it's kind of like for you to have or you don't. But um, if he could be a you know decent passer, uh, could be someone to target. Uh, one last thing, and i got to talk about this every episode until it comes to its conclusion, that's the Brian Colangelo thing. He's not fired yet still, and there was a report from NBC Philly saying that the Sixers kind of believe him that he didn't know about the burner account, and it was just his wife acting as like a rogue agent, and no one really knew about it. I'll just say this, regardless, okay, so unless he divorces his wife, he got to go, man. You can't have that, like, I, I don't I don't get it. Um, I get the whole Jerry Colangelo thing and how there was a report saying like, oh, I saved you from the hinky stuff. Like you didn't save anything, buddy. <laughs> um, I, I just I, all I've got to say is um, yeah, I've been talking about this for a few podcasts. So I'll hand it to you. And I'm just saying I can't believe he's not fired. Okay, first I'll say I can't believe he's not fired. <laughs> I, I I totally agree with you. That being said, I disagree with the sentiment that. It doesn't make a difference if he posted it or his wife posted it. I I believe like because there's been people that have posted some of the other random stuff. They're like comments on, on on fashion blogs by those same accounts or you know there's and the language the wording is different. It looks like 
the strange thing is it looks like you know he posted some and she posted some i i tend to believe him in that his wife was doing it but the the thing that i don't believe is that he didn't know that she was doing it in other words i i, I don't think I have a hard time. I think it does make a big difference if I've heard some people say it doesn't matter if he did it or his wife did it. Listen, we all talk to our spouses, significant others, friends, and it's it, it's a big difference whether they go behind our backs and double cross us and betray our trust and put our public thoughts out, you know, our private thoughts out publicly, as opposed to us, you know, creating a burn account and bashing guys um, behind their back. I, I do think there's a, a big difference. Even the, even the point made where, you know, ask Jaleel Okafor if he failed his physical, they said that about 10 times. From yeah. all reports, all circumstances, he didn't fail his physical. So um, it, it's, it's one of those situations where the information that supposedly private information is being made public is not even correct. Um, so you think Colangelo would do that, whereas his wife might have heard 10% of the story and you know harped on something that she wasn't completely aware of. Um, all that being said, um, the, the, the life sucks and it's unfair sometimes. And there, I, I, I would find it very hard to believe that you know he's lost a modicum of trust. You know whether you want to put it, you know, 100% of Jaleel uh, of, of uh, Embiid's trust. Or Ben Simmons, whoever they were, other players that were insulted and, and disrespected, um, he, he's just not going to be able to get that back. Um, even if he was a hundred percent innocent, which I don't think he is, um, I think he's a little bit, you know, less guilty maybe than than some others. Um, but the reality of the situation is, it's a very important offseason for the Sixers. They have the draft coming up. And more importantly, they have a ton of cap space, one of the very few teams with a ton of cap space. This is probably the last offseason they're going to have that level of cap space once they lock up Embiid and, um, you know, pay uh, and, and uh, Covington's contract kicks in and they're going to have to pay Simmons and, and Dario Saric. That, so this is a very important offseason for the Sixers. It's already less than a month away from the start of free agency. Colangelo has been tarnished, whether by whether it's completely his fault or not, the reality is – he, he, he just then the, there is a, a blotch on his on his resume. Um, there's kind of that nastiness, that ugliness. Um, again, whether it's his fault or not, it's there. Let's deal with reality uh, for that for that. And because of that, and it's not like he's an unbelievable, you know, such an evaluator of talent that he's worth all this distraction and the possible chance. LeBron has already, you know, poked fun at the situation in a press conference. Those are the type of guys you're going to try to recruit. You know, Paul George is LeBron James of the world. Um, it's an unfortunate situation. Colangelo got caught up in it some way, shape or form. And because of that, and because optics is a major part of reality in, in the NBA and sports and life. Um, he's got to go. The fact that they've dragged it out this long is embarrassing and ridiculous. I understand maybe they had to bring in that other law firm um, to kind of clear the way from a legality standpoint. They want to make sure that they can fire him with just cause. Um, but you got to do it. You got to do it soon. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's the end of my rant. But that, that's kind of where I fall on it. Yeah, I totally agree. I'll add a couple things as I've been saying. It feels like they're on a two front war where like one, they're trying to investigate and two, they're trying to figure out who can replace him possibly. Right. So if they feel like there's nobody that's, which is, I mean, there's so many front office guys out there. Yes. Yes. There has to be somebody better, and you act like Clint, like you said. What his two big things are the Nerwin's Noel deal, which I mean, it's pretty much a lose lose, which is you can't really call that negative, but I mean, he got taken to the cleaners in the full trade. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna lose that Kings pick, which is gonna potentially be top. I mean, at at worst, that pick is like seventh. 
You're right. So, I mean, it could potentially be number one. So you're trading potentially a number three for what looked to be, and in hindsight, the best pick of the draft uh, at number three. I mean, knowing what we know about Mitchell, obviously, I mean, no one had Mitchell going that high. But right. um, if you take him out of there, like Tatum would have went number one. Um, yep. Really, with a bullet, uh, if we could redraft. But besides Mitchell, like it's pretty much one A would be for me. But that's besides the point. And then, I mean, yeah, they, they like okay, great. They they had twenty million dollars to throw at JJ Redick. Good job. Really tough argument to make there. Right. Um, like he didn't. Like he didn't. He just had everything handed to him. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Anything you want to add, add before we get out of here? Um, parting shots for hopefully we get a, another game Monday or something. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, you know, I think. Uh, you know, LeBron's a pride guy. You know, I. I, I assume he wants to avoid the sweep, and you know, even if that makes a gentleman sweep. Um, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how motivated the Warriors are to close it out in four. Um, a lot of great, historically great teams have a sweep on their resume, um, but in the back of their mind, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't mind closing out at home in front of the home fans. Um, so, but uh, you know, hopefully, we get a, another historic performance one with the other, something to talk about and for uh, another weekend of uh, game prep before we start focusing on the draft. Yeah, Durant said he didn't want to mess with the basketball gods and he didn't want to bring a 3-1 back in action, so he wants to sweep it. And the uh, prediction, I think it's going to be Durant now for finals MVP. And then I'm pretty, I think it's going to be sweep tomorrow. Uh, yes, if I had to bet one with the other, I think they do close out the sweep. All right, hopefully we're wrong because we want one more yes. basketball. So you guys enjoy your weekend, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for coming on, Tommy. Thanks, buddy.